What's good, Internet? Welcome to Session 10 of Super GG Radio, where friends chat about video games and video games adjacent stuff. Joining me, as always, is the Phantom Thief himself, Joel DeWitt. I, I, I probably should have checked with you before outing you, huh? That's fine. When they take me away, I'll leave you a mementos to remember me by. That makes me so very sad. <laughs> and, and we will talk about why in the news. But first, we start with brawling and slashing some retro-inspired indies in the early adopter segment, dip into some sexy combat and indie platforming in the backlog blog, and lastly, we end with a quick round of our new game, Indie or Outdie, and we check in on the current state of Super GG Radio. Sounds like a hell of an episode. It does. So let's get started with our early adopter segment. Our early adopter segment is where we try out the newly released alphas, betas, tested, or pre-release demoed games. Uh, Joel, you took up a game that I actually hadn't heard of before. Can you tell me a little bit about the Friends of Ringo Ishikawa? Good pronunciation. So the Friends of Ringo Ishikawa, I ran across on Twitter actually, a uh, Daniel Dwyer actually retweeted the story of this developer making the game. And an interesting anecdote, kind of touching actually, how his father learned MS Paint to help draw the pixel art to use in this game. Oh, wow. That's that's definitely like really heartwarming. Right. Like think, think about your dad and whether or not you think he would pick up a whole new trade to try to support what's ostensibly a hobby, you know? Well, then, and like, MS Paint is very limited, so it, it's tricky to figure out all the things that he did from the look of this game. Exactly. So, the Friends of Rando Ishikawa, on the face of it, looks like a River City Ransom also ran, a kind of tribute or homage to it. That was, the, that was the first thing I thought of when I saw it. Right. It just kind of has the look of it, right? It's that sort of blocky pixel art. It looks a little more clear and a little more defined and detailed than what an NES game might be. But that is definitely the first impression you did on it. But it's actually a whole lot more in some ways and, and less River City Ransom than you might think. So to give you a sense of what happens when you start up with this game, when you're first introduced to it, they introduce you right away to sort of the short bit of exposition about how you're this student, high school okay. student, Ringo, and you've got a gang of five or six friends. And the baseline premise is that you are going to take on these rival gangs in the okay. area and sort of take control and then take leadership and be the gang supreme. And it starts that pretty strictly. It doesn't really give you any senses that there's any more other than being a pretty old-fashioned, straightforward beat-em-up. Sounds like River City Ransom to me. Exactly. And actually, one of the first things that happened when I started was they have you sort of stroll along one of the streets, and it's giving you instructions on how to do different inputs like walking and running, punching and kicking. And then from the start, the next instruction they give you is press R to be in delinquent mode. That I'm always pressing R. <laughs> I'm always in delinquent mode, baby. <laughs> <laughs> now I have a new pickup line. <laughs> Just It was one of those things that kind of struck me as really funny. <laughs> and I'm not sure if it was really supposed to be on the face of it, but uh, it just took me by su- surprise. And what happens when you hold down that R button is that uh, Rando sort of has this kind of slow walk, strut kind of thing going on with his hands in his pockets, kind of mean mudding as he walks along. And that's the stance, that's the way you set up a stance to pit fights with other people. Okay, so delinquent mode is what starts, like, I'm combat ready. Right, that's like that's like you're playing a game and you're marking yourself as PvP instead of PvE. 
<laughs> it's, like, All right. it's, it's telling it's telling the enemies like, hey, frame up, we're gonna we're gonna fist of cuffs. <laughs> Which is interesting to see that in like a single player game that you're like, okay, ready to fight? No, no, I'm not ready to fight. Right, and it's not something you necessarily didn't inkling to at the start, but as you keep playing, you find that you don't necessarily have to pick fights with other rival gangs. So they're pretty anodyne to you. They're not too interested in you until you start antagonizing them. And so, of course, starting out, you see the first group of people, you think, well, we want to beat beat them up. <laughs> so you, you, you put up your dukes and start fighting them. And that's one of the interesting things that you notice firsthand, too, is that when you're in a fight, it's usually like 5v5 or 5v6, depending on what group you're taking on. Okay. And, and so that's this crazy group dynamic where it's your gang fighting the other gang. It's almost like you're having to consider not just how do I hit this guy enough for him to go down, but also trying to look and see, okay, my team is sort of double teaming these other two guys so I can focus on this one other 1v1 and be fine. Or, oh, it looks like uh, one of my guys is in trouble, so let me go walk along the back and hit the people who are beating him up from behind and distract him so he can get away. Because so it's like these giant brawls. Exactly. And it's the, the battle itself is kind of the input controls aren't crisp as I might like it to be, okay. uh, which is sort of true to form for what you consider it's pulling from for its influence of River yeah. City Ransom. Well, yeah. You, you know, the, there's a punch button, there's a kick button. You actually have to hit both the punch and kick button to jump, which. That's, that seems awkward. Well, it's it's a carryover from an NES controller only having two buttons. Oh, uh, yeah, you're right. Which doesn't feel great, but it's functional. And, and then the R button acts as that delinquent mode, but also when you're in the middle of a fight, also acts as the, the block. Uh, which, okay. from my experience, isn't a guaranteed block each time. And actually, as you're holding that block, you can try to hit inputs to almost dodge some of the, the punches and kicks coming at you, too. Okay. But I haven't gotten into good enough rhythm for it to be consistently dodging it. So, actually, these battles sort of become a... a you're sort of guaranteed to lose some life in, okay, in yeah. each of these battles. And you and all your friends, they all have life meters uh, and health bars mm-hmm. and stats. And so okay. as you're doing these battles, let's say past the introduction segment, you will have day-night cycles. And throughout the day, you'll have that life bar to work on. And I actually haven't found a way to refill health during the day. So far, the only way I've seen an ability to regain health is by actually going to bed at night. It'll reset you in the morning with the full health. Now, hold on. You had you'd said that um, there's a day-night cycle. Tell me about the day-to-day. What are you doing in this game? There are lots of different things you can seemingly do in Rainbow Ishikawa. Right, so that's a that's a lot to unpack as far as a question, right? Right. There's there's actually quite a bit to try to talk about here. So okay. the premise is that you're a student, mm-hmm. and at the start you're basically failing all your grades, and they set you up with the premise that you and your buddies are kind of delinquents, kind of flunkies, not really doing much in school, and clearly going down the what you might call the wrong path of this sort of we're gonna go fight other gangs and, and beat them up and be the best with that. Okay. Yeah. And, and so the the premise starts off with you sort of being on the wrong track, so to speak, and you're sort of just dropped into it into Ringo's home, which seems like a, a sort of a studio apartment somewhere, and then they don't really give you much direction as to where to go. So when you're starting out, and I didn't do any looking up what to do, so I, I went in blind. Mm-hmm. You just sort of start wandering around, and you know, it's a little it, open ended. It, right. So it, 
I've heard the phrase, it's like River City Ransom meets Persona slice okay. of life segments. And I'm listening. It is and it isn't. So okay. uh, it's kind of a misnomer to claim that it has that much in common with Persona. The, the things that have similarities from what I've seen are that very much the architecture and the layout of a lot of the different parts of the town that you travel to have okay. a very similar feel with the buildings, which made sense because I think this game is probably based in Japan, kind of like Persona is. So yeah. if, if they're following similar structures, it makes sense that they'd look similar in that sense. There's also, you have the ability to choose to go to school each day, mm -hmm. whereas in Persona, I think you're forced to... Yeah, you days. have you have to go to those <laughs> during the day. Right, so it's it's an optional thing here, and because of delinquent mode. Yes, because you're by default in delinquent mode. I would say that they, they really leave everything open ended, and that, that's another departure. Is that Persona is very structured, and they give you options for different snippets of the day, but a lot of it is very structured, premeditated in the way it's laid out. You have very little influence about choices other than basically deciding how you want to burn little parts of your day. Mm -hmm. Rindo Ishikawa, you have all 24 hours to yourself. Nobody tells you what you have to do in it, which is okay. that that kind of freedom. It, it's a mixture of liberation, but also kind of being lost and trying to figure out your best use of your time. And well, the thing is, though, is also, right, if you want to refill your health, you have to sleep. Is that correct? Right, correct. Or you can get your butt whooped, get knocked out, <laughs> and then you'll <laughs> you'll wake up in your bed. Like, and they'll force you to sleep. Yep. Yeah, but the thing is, if you get knocked out, when you wake up, you only have about half your health. Oh, that super sucks. So there's an incentive, too, to understand where your limit is in fighting and not tread over that line. Otherwise, it's kind of like in Stardew Valley, how if you overwork yourself during a day mm. and you go to sleep, you only get a certain amount of your stamina meter the following yeah. day. It yeah, follows okay. that same kind of rule set. And, and I'll be honest, starting out in this game, the first hour or so, I, I kind of felt frustrated playing it. Okay. Be because of that lack of structure, because of that open-ended, you-do-what-you-want kind of thing. But as I played more and more and, and learned to understand the different options of how you can spend your day between tr finding your friends, then trolling the streets and just trying to beat up as many people as possible, or going to stores and restaurants where you can buy items or eat meals to replenish your energy or going to like they've got like record shops that you can go into there's a bar that if you go into at a certain point in the day they'll have a poker machine as well as a pool set mini game and other things i even saw in the background of the bar uh they had drawn pixel art posters of uh, oh yeah i remember you sending me this of titanic <laughs> the movie <laughs> which is a weird and, bar posters and and star wars <laughs> so only I mean, the coolest posters that I want to go to that bar. <laughs> okay, so so you go to school and uh, you can study from what it sounds like, or you can go and get into shenanigans with your gang. In service of what? Is there a countdown timer? Like, is there with Persona? There's a time limit based on the semester of school, and you have to get through the end of sc the school year. Is there something similar to that in this? There is. As far as I know, this runs through a span of one semester's worth of time. I don't know the exact day range and i truthfully i didn't look it up i've been continuing the going blind of this i'm at about day 20 so far in total and okay. they don't they don't count down it goes up in days so it, it gives you how many days have passed as you go through each save point and the game automatically will save you at the start of each new day cycle you start okay that makes sense yeah so uh 
just to elaborate a little bit more on the school aspect of things. As you go to the school itself, you'll go to your classroom and you'll have to select your chair to sit down in. And you have to select it around the time when the class is supposed to start. So you show up at like eight o'clock in the morning and you go and sit down. It'll start a segment where it'll show everybody sitting in class and some will be like writing down on their desk and others will be sort of staring out of the window. And there's not really any dialogue going on between these segments where it's mostly pre rendered except for you mm -hmm. so while you're sitting there you can like press a button and it'll show your character furiously taking notes or you can like hit the left direction button and it'll show you sort of staring out the window with your head in your hand or if you hit the down button it'll sort of show you leaning back in your chair slouched over like you're not paying attention so no but, but there's not really I, want, yeah. I wonder though is that is that due to how you want to play the game if you're trying to give yourself some sort of like allegiance to the character and make like a role play a little bit in your head do though or is there like a cool meter will people will think you're cooler if you act that way i haven't ran across any sort of meters that indicate a change in outcome from what your effect is so to let you know how i sort of been playing i spent the first maybe five or so days patrolling around beating fools up <laughs> Mostly, mm. mostly getting my butt kicked, to, yeah. be, to be quite honest. And then from there, I started to figure out what the purpose of the school was, discover that you could sit in class. And actually, at your home, there's a desk where you can spend an hour at a time boosting stats in different areas of study, like literature, history, science, math, as well as a okay. separate study period. And I found not too long from that that you pretty quickly show your grades improving over the several days because they'll have a, like a whiteboard somewhere in the hallway where you can check your grades mm -hmm. and it showed it improving going to B's and A's. And then I got a sort of cutscene with the principal talking about how he was happy with the progress and that if I kept it up, I did a scholarship. And then at some point I must have gained a scholarship because I gained 10,000, I think, yen or excuse yeah. me, what the Japanese currency is. Yeah, it's yen. But I gained that, which I found out was the amount of the scholarship. So I clearly had done to the threshold where my grades were good enough to get that scholarship money, which then enabled me to start spending money on stuff. There's a hundred meter that I don't really understand how it affects things too much, to be mm -hmm. honest. Yeah. Uh, one of the many things that I'm still trying to figure out how to unpack and, and understand how it affects your ability to do things in game. But it's it's sort of this interesting choice because I, I kind of feel like to really be effective in this game, you probably have to choose one side or the other fairly heavily to, to really do well. So you, yeah. either, so you either go the full studious route, I think, and then that'll enable your character to get money to do things and progress further, or you be outright delinquent and then go out on battles all the time to try to gain experience to level up to get stronger, to take on stronger enemies. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. Of course, just grind it out. Right, exactly. And that that's it's just interesting how just talking about it right now you're confronted with the start with the perception that you've got a lot of different ways you can go with it but that's my suspicion as to what will happen as i play along which i'm not i'm not done by any means with it and i've i've learned to really appreciate what's going on with it too just as i've learned more about the different options that you have in the game to approach how you want to progress the different days but it's kind of like it's kind of like how you're in real life when you're learning something at first and then you keep fumbling and screwing up and then you look back after you figured it out and you're like 
man, I wish I didn't waste all that time at the start. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fumbling and screwing up. You know? there's, ways to, there's ways to maximize what you were doing in the first place. It's why I've restarted Stardew Valley like four times. Right, right. <laughs> and that's, I get the sense that that was a deliberate choice when this game was being made, that the developer wanted to drop you in, let you feel sort of free to do whatever, but kind of lost as to what you're supposed to be doing exactly. And learning by trial and error as to how best use your time or decide how you want to use that time. And a lot of the the mood and the art design kind of plays out that perception with me because a lot of the music has this very mixture of chill or relaxed beats at certain points when you're at like the school or sort of strolling around town in some spots. But then there are other spots where it's really kind of somber and melancholy, like especially as it gets to nighttime or when you're in your loft and you're waking up or sitting on your deck overhanging and looking out in the distance. I, I watched you stream some of this the other day and I really liked what I saw and mostly what I heard. They had some really good like chill, relaxed beats and the atmosphere overall made me feel like, like a dreary school day, you know? Yeah, exactly. And you think about when you were a teenager. There there are times where everything seems all good and, and pretty normal and then there's plenty of times where you feel like things are kind of you're lost in the wilderness and trying to figure out the next beat and, and what your place is in the world. And I I think there was a, a lot of thought about how to tie together the, the music to some of those feelings. At least that's how I perceive it. Yeah, and from again, the I saw you play about 20 minutes of it, and I really liked what I heard, and it gave me that feeling very much so. So them finding a way to keep the soundtrack moving with each encounter, I, I saw that. What I, what I found was interesting was that the, the chill, dreary atmosphere beats I heard when we walk around town, and then as soon as you go into delinquent mode, it just cuts almost a little jarring, where it's like, oh, song change, go. And then as soon as you finish that combat encounter... Just, just like cut, you know, chill beats again. It's like, oh, that's that's a that's a choice to be made. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also the the shit's gotten real, button. That's <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> that's that's what's happening. Press R to get real. Yeah, shit to get real. Right. Uh, the, the only other thing I'll mention uh, before I wrap this up here is that uh, you smoke and you smoke a lot. <laughs> so, uh, so that I saw was there a smoke button? Was sure it like was. A just, <laughs> There's a just pull out a cigarette button? So, so when you're not in delinquent mode, there's, I think it's, you press B, and he pull, pulls out a smoke, lights it up real quick. There's a quick, like, flicker, fl- flicking your lighter sound and, and pulling on your cigarette sound. <laughs> <laughs> and then as you walk around, it's just hanging from his mouth. And, and like, if you have your friends with you, too, mm-hmm. you as you're walking around with them, you'll hear, hear them occasionally lighting up. <laughs> their own cigarettes as you're walking around looking for trouble to cause it was really that's, that's such a silly detail well that that's that's one of the amazing things about this game is that there are lots of little details that have been thrown into it with your characters and how they interact with the world similarly you can smoke just about anywhere in the game mm-hmm. as, as long as you've bought cigarettes to have on hand oh you, you gotta buy them yeah you can run out of cigarettes and then if you hit the cigarette button after you run out they just show Ringo sort of running his mouth, <laughs> like his mouth, it, his mouth opening and closing as he's. Oh, I thought it'd be like one of those like oh, tap pockets, tap pockets. No, okay, I'm out. <laughs> the the Monopoly dial pulling his uh, pockets out of his pants. <laughs> but so, uh, if you go into the school mm-hmm. and you try to hit the cigarette button, he flips a coin instead. Yeah, he's not allowed to do it in school. 
Right, right. But, like, you, you think about... There was thought put into that. Like, you're not allowed to smoke in school, but so he's got to have to do something that's, like, idly keeping himself busy <laughs> while he's yeah. in school, too. That's exactly what it is. But all in all, I've really come to grow to appreciate what this game has to offer. I, I would like to forewarn people that the the combat feels almost kind of like a tertiary thing to what you're looking forward to experiencing this game. You're going to gain more probably by the exploration and spending your time uh, sort of visiting this version of Japan and just taking in the atmosphere and noticing all the little details that was put into it. At least that's what I've experienced with my time with it. It looks really cool. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in where it goes around the end. Uh, as I ask with any early adopter game, are you going to continue with this? I'm going to see it through. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely going to see the through. I, I, I want to see where it ends up because every other day or so, as you get farther into the story, there are little interludes as you are walking around the world where mm-hmm. a friend will stop you. Or I even got to a point where my sort of rival game was this group of people in green school outfits where all the main characters are in blue outfits Mm -hmm. and one of the days one of your friends comes up to you and says hey i heard you started shit with your neighbors what's going on with that and then you have a back and forth with them about why it happened and it's sort of the sort of teenage chatter of like oh i wasn't in the good mood and i I felt like taking it out on them or something like that and then a day or two later you walk to your home and it's a group of like six of the guys in green (laughs) there to approach you and talk to you about like hey man i I thought we were cool and then you just started beating up on our guys like are we gonna have a problem (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then it turned into this negotiation of, of like Ringo saying like well look look I know we had like a protective order <laughs> between our two between me and your group but it needs to include my friends too as a part of your protection and like negotiating this deal as a ceasefire <laughs> <laughs> and then after this point since, these green people, which I have been whooping on or and getting whooped on the entire time, you, I walk by them and they don't bother me anymore. So it's like it never happened at that point. Oh, see, that's that's a cool little bonus thing you can work out and, and figure out as a side puzzle that you could completely pass, it sounds like. Or did it feel like it was forced upon you? So the, that segment was forced upon me, that whole negotiation side. It, it was a pre-canned dialogue. But mm. you could just as easily break that negotiation by going into delinquent mode and picking fights again with the same people okay so they i think the game was probably trying to teach you that there is another way around this kind of situation yeah from what i researched this game isn't too long it said on average around six hours to beat so i was i was kind of interested in like oh man maybe this is something that you could just kind of jump into for like an hour or so and then come back and finish it up every once in a while you know just pick at it a little bit here and there I hope the developer takes another crack at this kind of game. There's a great foundation here, and I'm having a lot of fun with it, but it makes me curious what he could do if he took a second attempt at it and tried to flesh things out further beyond what's currently here. Yeah, this it does sound like there's a lot of potential. Absolutely. Now, on my side, I played another retro-looking pixel art indie mm-hmm. darling Roughly around four hours of story gameplay. Of course, there's more to explore. Katana Zero. Katana Zero. Now, uh, let me set this up here for you, okay? Pixel art, a little bit blockier. Almost, uh, it looks like your River City Ransom guy, but a ninja with a katana. When When you slash your katana, it jumps you forward. You can slash up in all the directions, but when you do it, it acts as almost like a double jump. You move towards your slash. You have an invincibility roll. So you can dodge uh, enemies, and then you have on your left tra- on your left bumper 
a time slowdown, a bullet time, where you slow down everything and you can analyze the situation, you can you can hit bullets with your sword, all of that good stuff. So this sounds like there's a lot of different gameplay elements at play, because the, the time slowdown thing is a pretty common mechanic anymore for some games, but the slash where you're jumping forward sounds out of several different platformers too. That I want to say, I thought I heard the messenger did a similar mechanic. So uh, while also the other mechanic I was I, I missed was that if you can pick up items and throw them, which ends up being like a one hit kill. Oh, okay, just now, like items from the background, or yeah, you'll find you'll find cans, bottles, and different items like that. And uh, the slowdown mechanic is based on a gauge that will deplete, so you can't just hold slow mo the entire time. Sure, sure. Is it a quick refresh of the bar, or do you have to get an item to reload the slowdown? I'd say about fifteen seconds. Oh, okay. So you have this, you're a ninja, you walk into a room, there's a bunch of enemies. Uh, whenever he walks into a room, he takes, he has a cassette player with headphones, presses start, and you hear some of the funkiest 80s synth vibe music ever heard. And now we're playing Hotline Miami. <laughs> the, the Hotline Miami side scrolling, you have, you have this room, enemies in behind different doors, you can open the doors and, sm- and smack them and knock them out. But the, the main mechanic that you're doing here is trying to get through this little this level, and there's, say, six guys, and you figure out how to get through that level while these 80s synth beats are going. And a lot of bright colors, a lot of neon and stuff like that going on. Yeah, I'm seeing that in some of the screenshots that I, I looked at. Is it that way through most of the game? Yes. Yes, definitely is. That's a good key aesthetic of it all. Now, um... The the problem like this is a really fun game. There's a lot going on for it, a lot going on with it. But the problem I have with it is that those puzzle mechanics, which is like the most fun to hack and slash your way through these enemies, to be able to figure out this puzzle of okay, I hit this guy, I hit this guy, I hit this guy. Okay, if I go here, I go here, and I could be. And it's a very quick restart. So as soon as you die, the the game rewinds that level. So you actually get a rewind button, you know, and then you're like, okay, try again. Oh wow. So it's a very quick turnaround, and you're trying to figure out this puzzle. You do the puzzle, you do the next puzzle, do the third puzzle, and then story. And it is lengthy cutscenes in the same style of pixel art, side side scrolling conversations that have timers on them that uh, you pick. You're picking uh, conversation choices, so you can. There's like not dialogue trees, but you know, might as well. There's like six options to pick from of like how, what you want to say to this person in the story. And one of the interesting mechanics is that the timer. Uh, has a red part of the timer and it's a bar filling up and then it goes into blue that red timer is you essentially interrupting that person huh <laughs> so, I, I didn't i didn't know there was such dialogue included in this game and and that's kind of my problem with it i like the game a lot and i like the story it's very interesting it's a good mystery there's a lot of weird stuff happening with time travel drugs and all this stuff but those c- combat puzzles are so i want to say 30 percent of the game Oh, really? So that much of it is making dialogue choices and and pushing the story along through that? Yeah. Yeah. Trying to figure out what is going on in the story and having these dialogue conversations. I wouldn't say maybe it's like maybe it's not 30 percent. Maybe it's 50 percent. But it's still just the game is only four hours long. And there is just so much of these combat or these uh, conversations, just these conversations that need to be had, which are engaging and and introducing these weird story beats of, again, a soldier who somehow is addicted to time travel drugs and he is now going crazy because he's starting to see time forwards and backwards. Sometimes he sees the future, sometimes he doesn't. And it just goes in a giant circle of what is going on. 
but, and, but 50 50 percent is even pretty substantial for this kind of game i mean i remember seeing trailers for it and that part was barely if any at all referenced in those trailers so that it's kind of a misleading impression and that's what's so surprising is that i was super pumped to get in there and the first puzzle mechanic i loved and i went through and i, I did them all i beat the game and i loved every minute of it it just was surprising because this is not I, I was expecting a little bit more, right. and the and the story is really again it goes it gets real heavy, and and those uh, conversations do lead you to some different places and some real funny things because it's always just the conversations and stories are always the interstitial beats between the combat puzzles. Yeah, it, it'll stop you for 10, 15 minutes, talk to you to death, then you do these combat puzzles for fifteen minutes, then again more story. But you can do you can pick the wrong part of the conversation and piss somebody off, and then <laughs> and. When you do that, the next story beat might have an effect of like, I hate you. And then someone will call the cops on you and you have to fight somebody. And it's like, wait, but I, but when I played it uh, uh, before, I played it a different way and I talked to that lady and now she thinks I'm an anime cosplayer. So that, so, that sidesteps the combat section that you would have mm-hmm. if you just pissed them off. Yeah. And, and if you do the right conversations, you end up playing a verbal, you know, conversation choice uh, card game with her. Like you're playing an anime card game like Yu-Gi-Oh, but you're just picking conversation choices for what cards you're playing. It's a, it's a weird thing that plays out. It's very short, but it just it just shows that you can find really interesting tidbits in picking different conversation choices. Yeah, but it also sounds like you're cutting the amount of content for combat if that's sort of your bread and butter of what you like about this, if you make the pacifist choices. It, exactly. but And then also, the game, you know, I don't want to spoil too much, but the game very much cuts at a cliffhanger. So Oh, wow. So it's just surprising to me that this game has this really deep and depth story only four hours long and it still is like well we'll have more next time or there might be dlc and it's like oh you you couldn't you couldn't have just put that in there so it's a really <laughs> abrupt uh end to katana zero yes yes it is and i liked the liked it a lot i will be listening to that soundtrack a lot i i might replay it because i've from what i've read there is there's there's several secret bonuses and secret extra bosses that you have to do these specific conversations the right way to get that boss and there's more to explore but from what i understand i got two endings in the four hours i played and i think from my understanding that's pretty much it I see. Uh, a few questions here. You said that the combat sections are almost like a puzzle where you have to figure out how to get past a string of enemies. Uh, so there, there's really no pause point from start to end of those combat segments. You have to chain them together? No, no. There'll be one map, and then once you finish it, they'll give you another map. And so you'll have these combat sections that'll last about, uh, I want to say, like, it can last from 30 seconds to, you know, five minutes, depending on how much you're having problems figuring out the puzzle. Okay, so there there isn't necessarily a specific order or predetermined way you have to approach them. You've got a little bit of flexibility in what order or at least oh, what, yeah, what it's way com- you dispatch them. It's completely freestyle. Okay, so cool. you can use your slow-mo as much as you possibly can, wait for it to recharge and use it even more. But I have seen online uh, no slow-mo runs. And sure. they're and they are cutting bullets out of the air. They're t- making the right timing choices. And there are there are other parts of the mechanics. Like they add more different types of enemies: money, enemies with shotguns, enemies with pistols, enemies with knives, or mech uh, robo guns, or lasers, or security cameras. And there's parts where it's like there's a little bit of a stealth section in there. It's just not a lot. <laughs> that, that's I, an- 
that's unfortunate. I mean, it's always tough to gauge what, what the line is between not enough content and what too much content is, especially for a game of this type. I did see if it went on too long, how it might get redundant or not as fun anymore, especially if the division between conversation and combat is that split evenly. I'm interested in this, but I think I made the right choice to wait based on your comments so far. Yeah, and uh, I will. Uh, you should listen to that soundtrack. I can't suggest that enough. It's such, it's such a stylish game to have that neon color and those the pixel art looks beautiful. And then it's interesting when you start a level, you, he pulls out his Walkman and starts his tape player and puts on his headphones. It's it's so it's it's so silly and interesting. And of course, you know that the characters are real serious, depending on how many times they say the f word. <laughs> it's like, oh, he is he is serious because he said the f word six times rapid fire. So I, 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 will, I, I will be very happy to see more of this game. I, I like what they've done. I just wish there was more of it, but I can't complain too much. I finished it in a nice Saturday session and cost me $15 on the eShop. Katana One coming in 2020. Yeah, I can't wait. And I already found some of where they're gonna where there's like secret weapons that you have to unlock. Uh, I haven't done enough of that yet to explore some of the af- after game content, think where you find all the secrets. But I I really liked it. Just wish there was more. Sure. Are there any other side modes like a time trial or a challenge mode or things like that? Uh, not that I've seen. Not yet. Just just the bonus after game content where they are where there's like secrets hidden. You could find hidden key cards and get different types of weapons and stuff. See, that's too bad, too, because I feel like that's maybe wouldn't be as satisfying as playing a longer campaign, but a lot of times games like this, you should see them coming up with custom maps with specific challenges about complete this map without using the slowdown mode, or you only have this much time to get through it, or things like that that could add a little bit more. Yeah, I'm excited for what they do next. All right, so those were the new games we were playing this week. Two bold choices that came with some unique experiences. Now let's take a quick break before going into news. Time for some news! It was a light news week, but we got some Persona to discuss. Joel, they had the Persona concert, the two-day big event. I believe it was a Persona Super concert. Mm-hmm. They do this every... They, apparently, they've been doing this for a couple of years now. Let's see. Persona Super Live 2019. And they've, they've done this a couple of years now where they will play uh, all of the older Persona game music soundtracks because it's really an iconic point of those games is just the fact that those that soundtracks are so um, like fun and eclectic and jazzy. Oh, the music in five was great. I mean, I'll I'll sometimes turn it on at home just while I'm doing chores. I gotta suggest three and four as well. I I don't know two and one as much, but they do have they have a live singer who's been consistent through three, four, and five. She sang uh, on both, on all three of those soundtracks, and so they have her, and then they have a whole band. It's a big deal. Sometimes there's a there's a there's a guy who raps for him too, who does raps on some of those songs. So he's there as well, and they take this take this time to introduce just new. They do a announcements, and they announced Persona Five S and Persona Five R. Joel, I am disappointed. <laughs> you, you don't want Persona Warriors? <laughs> I never saw it coming. So S, the Persona 5 S stands for Scramble, which is a... We're getting Persona 5 on Switch. It is a Dynasty Warriors game, which is not what anybody wanted. 
I, did you ever play those games? The the Dynasty Warriors? Yeah. I played some of Hyrule Warriors, uh, and I actually, I think I might still have a copy of it lying around somewhere. It, you know, they're they're fine. They're, they're, they are, if you think 2D beat-em-ups can be mindless sometimes, this is absolutely mindless. I mean, you, you are a character usually with a big sword or pole or some weapon, and you're just walking through large open spaces and swinging that weapon around and smacking as many as you can but until you get to bosses within the level who take more to take down but it's it's pretty it's pretty rote stuff in general usually yeah i i've only played a couple of them but they it just it's it's so mindless i i just have a problem with the fact that you, you swing your sword and you hit like 120 people but that's that's supposed to be the fun of them though is just sort of the absurdity and, and it's it's a kind of supposed to be a power fantasy too like you're this you're this superhero version of historical figures during at least the the actual dynasty warrior series they usually have like historical names <laughs> included in the in the actual character select screen and the settings but it they always felt a little too loose and a little too arcadey for me to really enjoy too much yeah me too. But uh, they also have for us uh, Persona 5 R, which stands for Royal, an extended edition of Persona 5 for PS4, which con- comes with a, a, another Phantom Thief that looks a lot like a female version of Joker, but is not. It also comes with new areas of the map, new confidants, new spells, new personas, and more story content, which I don't know if it needed more. I felt like that game was long enough. Yeah, that's sort of where I lean to. I, I I had taken a long break from JRPGs, and Persona 5 was my dipping my toe back in the water of it, and I I loved it. I spent a lot of time on it, uh, more than my family probably would have liked. <laughs> 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 but uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And to, to your point, though, you, you get to the 80, 90 hour of point of it, and you're on the cusp of what's ostensibly the third act, and you're thinking, man, this really feels like it should be wrapping up right now. <laughs> and then but it goes for like another like 20 hours. More is not necessarily what I need, or, or at least I don't need to start the game over to get more. I, I think I think my reception to this would be more positive if they were saying it was an expansion that you could either buy on disc or you could pay off of the PSN to get for like thirty dollars because it's, yeah, it's and I could carry I could carry my save over exactly if if this was basically like main protagonist has one more semester you pick up your confidants left off you have a new story segment where you have to invade another palace and and take up the mantle of phantom thieves again to save the day again i'm totally for that it's just i i can't fathom starting over from the beginning so close to when i played that game again and trying to dip my toe into it for another 120 plus the 20 or so hours it would take to get through this part the only way i could see myself doing it would be new game plus if it carried over and i would start over trying to you know be befriend the new confidant but if i I don't want to start over from like from scratch i don't want to grind that out again no i can't say i do either so that's if there's a disappointing part of it for me it's it's that and i'm not I'm not surprised about Royal. I sort of figured from what we had been reading that it was going to be the golden version of Persona 5. Uh, Which I don't think it is. No? It's 
Well, Golden, while adding more to the game, generally kind of pared down a lot of other things and and made it better. And this just seems like more. Okay. Okay. Now, but uh, we got till 2020 to know more about what this is. And it, it's supposed to come out at the end of this year for Japan, but we won't be seeing it until 2020. So we won't know more until later. Right. They need that time to translate it, I assume. Yeah, and even the the American Persona 5 was spotty on the translating, so they could probably stand to shore that up a little bit. <laughs> well, if they haven't done it yet, I'm not sure you have high hopes for Royal either. Scramble and Royal. Thanks, I hate it. Uh, now, you added some last-minute news about Epic playing hardball with Valve. Tell me about this one. I, I just love the, the chutzpah that Epic's having with Valve. Uh, the, the gist of the story is that Epic's been playing hardball with Valve in that they, they've been poaching newly released games by getting timed exclusives, mostly. Usually six months to a year before they can be allowed to be on Valve or other platforms, which has largely been met with uh, consternation from people. Mm-hmm. Which I can understand to some degree. Some of it's a bit uh, tinfoil hat for my taste. Oh, you but... mean you mean people not, uh, people being very anti-epic and just really trying to take it down? Right. I'm. I don't stand for any company, but <laughs> I mean, I I don't I don't ascribe to the kind of conspiracy theories that some uh, seem to want to lean towards. But all that said, apparently they made an ultimatum with Valve after some of this fervor has come up, and it generally goes like this: You want us to stop doing time exclusives? Match our developer pay scale, which. One of the big assets that Epic had had over Valve is that they're only taking something like a 13% cut from the developers to post their games on their storefront. Whereas Valve and I think Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo all take about a 30% cut. And people online have been being so anti-Epic while all of the publishers and developers have said, no, this is fantastic. Well, right, and especially if you're thinking about smaller indie devs, that there, there's a lot that comes out now about if you're not a made-to-hit indie developer, even a, a middling hit might not do more than sort of pay the bills for while you were making the game, and then enough of an estate to start the next project, right? I mean, th- there's, a, there's a small slice of indie developers that make the bid bucks, and everybody else is middling at best, or... If you're worse, you're sort of producing these games that get lost in the tidal wave of stuff that comes out every month. What was the adventure game company that did uh, The Walking Dead? Telltale. Telltale was living paycheck to paycheck. That's and that's how they went under. They were there were people who were months unpaid, and they were just still like, well, "Well, once we finish the game, I can pay you off the money that they'll make that we'll make off the next game." And it just kept going that way. And you and one of them failed, and another one failed, and they couldn't pay those months that they owed people money and just laid people off. So, from the sounds of that, it, it kind of sounded like Telltale was being ran by the ass end of a human centipede. I, I mean. Really just, I don't get the sense that that was all just about the difficulties of being a small indie developer. It kind of sounded like they had one big hit with the first season of The Walking Dead and and then really had almost no hits after that. Yeah, but this shows that Epic is playing with some big dick energy. (laughs) That's for sure. Yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But if if Valve will uh, call their bluff... And go the 13% pay cut. We might we're gonna see a lot of new games 
with a lot of developers like just super pumped to start getting in there and start making these games. And Epic will let go of all of their exclusives, which will be very interesting to see how. I, I'm surprised though. I haven't seen any retracted hate against Epic. Everyone's kind of uh, the 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 generalized crowd that hated Epic and had these giant arguments and just were talking trash. I didn't see any retracted like, oh, that's pretty cool. Well, it. There are a few things at play, right? Like part of it is that people are more com- inclined to complain about things than they are to cheer, <laughs> good yeah. choices, and yeah. that's that's the internet at large. The other thing is that this is one of the dumbest kind of video game wars <laughs> to ever come about when you're talking about Valve versus Epic. It's not like it's not like consoles where you might be invested so much in your one console ecosystem that you're having to rationalize your choice of what $400 box you bought when your other friends went another way. It's like, you're on a PC either way. You could have both downloaded at the same time. I mean, the valid complaints aside about maybe (laughs) some security issues that they have or questions about when they're doing the up-to-speed about features on the Epic Store, you have an option and a choice, (laughs) right? And plus, they just started. It'll get better. You you hope so, or... Because at least if it doesn't get better, then what's going to happen is that they're just going to be the Fortnite shop. And then they'll have to talk about how they go beyond 100-hour work weeks for their developers to keep that going. But Yeah, that's that's never good. That, not so much Bid Dick Energy. Well, <laughs> may, maybe Bid Dick Energy in another way. Yeah, really jerks. But like I said, not a ton of news this week we felt inclined to discuss. I think it's time for a quick break and we'll be back with the Backlog Blog. And we're back with the Backlog Blog. Games that we've had in our back catalog we want to show a little extra love this week joel i've been waiting for you to get through celeste because i got through it a couple months ago and hearing you play through it i i enjoyed the conversations we had you know there's about once every year where i find a platformer that just sinks its teeth into me and i can't let it go until i get through it and rain every ounce out of it and this is this is the one for this year it's it's on the same level of super meat boy or Ori in the Blind Forest. It is it is that quality in lots of different ways. Yeah, it, it keeps those jumps and those and those uh, the way the, you know, the mechanics you have about hitting the platforms at the right time, hitting springs, avoiding spikes. It keeps it really tight where if you die, it instantly starts you back. Uh, so it's a very short turnaround. And at the same time, if you miss a jump, you miss a wall, you hit you hit some spikes and you die, you, you generally feel like it's your own fault, which is a good thing for me, knowing that I, I'm in full control of my character. Right. It's, it's absolutely challenging. And the challenge is not only in how you have to string together the different jumps and obstacles, but also... Uh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, no, the, the challenge is strains together chains of jumps through those obstacles, but then also trying to remember where things move or don't move and understand the different mechanics that are strung along each different part of the game as you traverse the different segments of the world. 
Which there are there, there are several different uh, parts of the world. You have different mechanics like springs, uh, dashes, double jumps. You can wall grab with a very simple uh, sprite-based art style, which I, th- I thought was beautiful. Oh, absolutely. So the it's pixel art, so it, it's closer to Meat Boy than Ori when it comes to the technical level of art in it. But they use different gradients of color and really do a great job of showing variety in the way the different levels work, different parts of the mountain as you're working to climb it. The, the character models themselves look pretty simple, but the backgrounds and different obstacles are nicely detailed, and it just... It, it, all comes together very nicely and there are a lot of different environments sometimes a lush jungle a frozen mountain uh, a haunted hotel mansion which was weird i thought that was a a good an unexpected environment i was i was surprised by it it felt out of place compared to the rest of the sediments but i didn't mind it It, it was a nice change of pace from what the other parts of the mountain were now as far as the story you are a girl named madeline who is climbing a mountain and at the top and it's mountains mount celeste and when she reaches the top there really isn't a whole lot of reason it's just that that is her goal that's what she wants to do and that's that's how you're playing the game uh and along the way she meets uh, several different people friends that that join her or help her or just talk to her and hang out and it's it's i the main thing i want to talk about is that I, i the reason why i like this game is why i like a lot of uh, story-based games like this where it has a h- lot of heart and it has the courage to tell a story about mental health in a very normalizing way without making make, mental health is a very serious issue nowadays and with a game like celeste she has it she's coping with it and anytime people around her notice it or it's mentioned or brought up they're just like oh yeah well we'll get through it like there's never like a oh my god poor you it's just like oh okay that, well i'm sure we can figure it out and the funny part of it is that they never explicitly call it out for what it is. It's always referenced as a part of you. That's yeah. the way they integrate it into the conversation. And it manifests itself as an antagonist through the majority of the story as well, as this mirror version of yourself that is chasing you down or antagonizing you, trying to stop you from your objective. And it's an interesting way to frame that challenge in her character because it it frames it not so much as like this internal struggle but this outwardly struggle that is oppressing her and keeping her from the things she wants to get done which is a really good metaphor for how to uh, display it in the game exactly and it it seems like that in this case her antagonist i don't want to label it but it seems like it's like her own anxieties and when she is climbing the mountain she's trying to escape it and it's an interesting take on someone trying to cope with things i also like that there is a guy that she meets he is a fellow mountain climber and they hang out they talk they take selfies together they get into some of the adventures throughout the mountain and then they take their own path i like the idea that there's this an asexual relationship that doesn't need to have romance the story isn't about those two or how she found love or this whole thing it's just about her taking her own adventure and her own path in life and sometimes it's like that not every woman you meet is uh, like a romantic option. It's just that some people are just there and they're part of your journey for a little bit and then they are not, you know? So it was, it was overall, I liked the way they kept the story about her, the focus about her, and it didn't, it, it didn't make it cheap or it didn't make her seem weak. 
it was refreshing and it was logical. I, I mean, the the character you're talking about, presumably this story goes over the span of maybe a day or so, and and encountering him on the mountain is the first time that you've met him, and their camaraderie through the story is really more about encountering each other a few spots and then eventually teaming up when they realize they need each other in order to get out of a jam where they're at. And through that, there are segments of dialogue where you get a better breadth of who he is and why he's there and, and a better idea of why she's trying to climb the mountain. And they never elaborate on what prompted her to have this part of her, which I also appreciate because not everything needs an explicit explanation about why things are the way they are. It's more about her coming to terms with it and coping with it and understanding that it's okay that this thing is a part of her but learning how to work through it and including that as an understanding of who she is in total as a person. Yeah, there's there's a lot to unpack there and a lot to appreciate. I got to throw in there that that music is fantastic. Absolutely. It's it's a chiptunes album, a uh, chiptune soundtrack. Uh, and there there is specific to each environment, so each environment which I think there's like six five or six of them. Each one has a different song and Throughout the level, there are collectibles like strawberries, but also you'll occasionally find a, a tape cassette, which will be a B-side, which entails that once you beat that level, that, that world, as you will, you can go back to the menu, play that world again, but play the remix, which makes it doubly hard with all new puzzles and uh, ways to traverse this this world, this environment. And, but again, they changed everything up, so now it's even harder, and you have to do these platforming challenges that are crazy. And then they also remix the music to be even funkier and cooler and a variation of it. And you can find it on Spotify. There's the regular Celeste, and then there's the remix B-sides. That's good to know. I'll, I'll add that to my library. <laughs> I was not aware of that. Yeah, it's uh, kind of cool to find both albums like separate, and it's like, oh, okay, so I can, I can legitimately hear the B-sides if I wanted to and just kind of filter those out. Yeah, and they're, they're beautiful melodies. So it, it's even even if it is chip tunes, it, it has a great melody that's really suitable to what's happening in the game and where you're at there and what's happening in the moment. So I, I was really happy about that. The presentation is perfect for what you're playing here. And like, what did you think of the end? Tell me about the ending without without going into spoilers, of course. So, so the ending is actually, the final segment is after you've come to terms with that part of you and understand that you need to work together, it is climbing the top peak of the mountain. And it sort of acts as a countdown between different segments because there are flags planted from like 30 or 25 down to zero. And each flag planted is sort of a safe point that reaches you to the next challenge. And it strings together lots of different mechanics that you've encountered through different levels of the game. So each segment will be an increasingly more challenging part with the springs or with the blocks that move or the other mechanics that you had to sort of learn to accommodate in these hard-as-hell segments that string together at the end. And truthfully, I, by the end of it, I was like, okay, I'm ready to be done here. <laughs> Just because it's like, <laughs> this is deemed to be a little too much <laughs> where I'm getting like, pissed off and I need to walk away from it. But uh, I, I did get through it, and it, it was rewarding at the end, and I, I'm guessing that's what they were going for. <laughs> I, I enjoyed the fact that it, like that ending bit where you're climbing the mountain, like, okay, this is it. This is the end of it. You get a best of. So the best of Celeste. You remember this part? 
here you're gonna go through it for a little bit oh then you remember this part that's another one you're gonna go through for like a little bit and it's just enough to like oh i remember that that was tough or that was actually pretty tough too oh i remember that that was cool you know it just it keeps getting it keeps getting better and better so that made that made me want like relive it again in a very short burst that made me happy Absolutely. I, I uh, we, we didn't touch upon it, but I, I just want to mention in, in the parts where people are talking to each other, it, there are word boxes with these pretty well rendered uh, profiles of all the characters as they talk. And, and the chatter noise is some of my favorite stuff I've seen in a game lately. <laughs> just the, the, it's almost kind of like the Animal Crossing chatter characters. Oh, yeah. How it's kind of like, except it's it's a lot more chirpy (laughs) and 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 it almost like it's like a higher pitch version of the peanuts with their wah 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 (laughs) it it just it it made me laugh every time i heard it i loved it that's awesome now on my end i was playing a game uh on my nintendo switch that i've i've been meaning to for a while bayonetta bayonetta you you would play this for the wii u when it when they remastered the first one right yeah, Wii U was a phase where I was buying just about any Wii U game that came out that moderately piqued my interest, and I knew Bayonetta 1 was a pretty well-regarded uh, game when it came out on PlayStation 3 and Xbox, and Bayonetta 2 was only made because Nintendo fronted the, the cash to make it exclusively for the Wii U, so it made me really curious to dip in and try it. Yep, this is a Platinum Games joint, you know, Metal Gear Rising, uh, Revengeance, and Near Automata. That's what you kind of reminded me, that, that they made those games. Right. But this predates them. A hack and slash, very God of War or Devil May Cry, just, you know, a bunch of enemies on, on, the, on the screen, 3D. You have a dodge mechanic that when she dodges just at the right time, it slows down time. You have a punch or a kick or... And you can string them together in any number of combos. Uh, the reason that this game stands apart is the sheer audacity and bombastic nature of Bayonetta as a character. Right. If you thought Devil May Cry was stupid, then you haven't seen Bayonetta yet. Like that, <laughs> it, it, tra- it trains the, the dumb up to a, a 12 on the scale. In a really great way, though, because she is a witch in her this world's version of a witch quote unquote uh who has powers like the slow down time and she can double jump but her her abilities are essentially she's a, she's a lady and a witch in a full-on leather cat suit where with gun high heels so the guns are in her high heels and she carries two pistols of her own so at any any point in time she is firing from four different limbs and if that doesn't tickle your funny bone her power comes from her very long black hair and so it is in the lore of the game, the idea that she could create things out of her hair, um, like she can create a giant demon fist or a giant demon dog out of her hair. It'll turn into a giant dog. It'll just wrap around. There's so much hair, which she doesn't really have that much hair. But the other conceit to that is her cat leather cat suit is also made of cat hair or made of not cat hair of her hair. So when she chi- when she does, she'll do a quick time event where you press two buttons and then you got to rapidly tap the X button. Uh, you'll see half of her suit, most of her suit leave her body. So she is naked, but they hide it by like magic lines or just um, camera angles with something in the way or just her hair moving away, but blocking all of the, the actual nudity. And then you see just a giant devil dog and you see her in the background like nude. And it's like, what, what, why is this, why is this happen- happening? Like... So what you're telling me is that her arch nemesis is Alopecia Man. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, Body Wax Girl. 
it's just so strange. <laughs> and it, it's, it's, it's always interesting because she makes these elaborate contraptions where she'll make a giant torture device that will kill her enemies out of her own hair and it's just weird to see these moves because it's, it's always at the, like at the end of a combo you'll you know punch punch kick punch and all of a sudden a giant fist will come out of a portal and it's made out of hair and you see like the bottom half of her outfit missing all of a sudden and right then it'll come it'll come right back and it's like oh that was quick and weird i don't mm, hmm. right and even not just talking about that but in the cut scenes there's there's gratuitous like angle shots of <laughs> as the action's taking place like clearly following the angle and then being very cute about what's being covered up on her body as you're going through these motions. And it's a, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I, I, again, the, the, the sheer audacity of this game, when someone throws an entire building at you, you, and the story mode has you uh, freeze or slow down time. And then you run up the side of this building lo- launching at you. And then you jump off and you po- jump off a car and jump off another car midair and then attack this giant angel dragon beast with three heads. And yep. I- I've try- I'm trying, I want to be in this lore and I don't know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> I, hmm, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if that's something you want to be in. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look it up and have someone explain it to me after. But yeah, I was playing yeah. it and I was talking to you and I was having so much trouble with this game just the difficulty levels the sp- just the spikes were so extreme where sometimes it's easy sometimes it's hard i bumped that bad boy to easy and i am loving the game now maybe that's what i need to do because that that's why i dropped off way back when is that you know and this is kind of my wheelhouse uh, for for games uh, metal gear rising revengeance was some of the most fun i had you know, when I played it, and uh, Devil May Cry, the first one, was uh, one of my favorites on PlayStation 2, and, and this one, I reached a point where I think you fight, like, a huge stat moving statue character or something, and I got stuck, and I was just at the wrong time of my life where I didn't have the interest of persevering, and I, I dropped off on it. Yeah, I think that's what you need to do. Um, and uh, you get points to level up and learn different combos and different moves. But overall, a little over-sexualized for me to say this is positive femininity. But she is a strong female character, so... Well, I, I guess if, if it's her agency and free will to make those choices, that's that's what defines it, right? Yeah. And I, I, I guess the question is whether she was made that way. And I, I don't know. <laughs> Um, uh, the last thing I wanted to touch on real quick was, man, that Nintendo integration is really something cool. So this is actually something that I didn't dabble in when I played it. Uh, maybe elaborate just a, a bit on what you're talking about. Well, with the new updated version, because this is a re-release, um, with an, uh, with the Nintendo package of getting both one and two together and you it comes with alternate costumes as well as you can jump chapters it kind of gives you the free reign to like oh if you don't want to play it that seriously and this is a remaster you can kind of just skip around mm-hmm. so uh in the chapter select mode there's also costumes where you can dress like link you can dress like princess peach or princess daisy and each of those outfits if you change so if you i haven't looked at link yet but if you change to princess peach when she punches it does her punch combo instead of a giant demon fist it will be bowser's fist <laughs> coming out of a portal <laughs> or instead of when she does her kick combo instead of stomping down and you see a giant demon foot it is bowser's foot <laughs> you see this is the kind of stuff you wouldn't get if nintendo didn't find that part of it <laughs> Yeah, all of you, her collection is gold rings, but now it just changes to coins, and it is just the Mario tone. 
So overall, I thought that I like, like a costume would have been fine, but seeing the extra effort to put in the bonus things of changing her abilities around or collecting coins is, is, is a nice little touch that I liked. The lesson here is that weird Nintendo is good Nintendo. I agree. So that's going to be it for our backlog blog. We got a lot done this week. May not always be the same, but I liked all of the things we touched on so far. Now we're going to take one last break before we go into our last two bonus segments of this episode. Okay, that was our last break of the episode. Uh, that means that we are here with our last two bonus segments. Uh, not always, the bonus segments aren't always going to be the same, just some stuff we like to think about and throw a couple of fun ideas around. Today, we're going to work on Indie or Outdie. This is where I take some small indie video game titles and mix and match a list for Joel or I to guess is it an indie game or is it something else? Today, we will do Indie Bands or Indie Game. Joel, you ready for this? No, let's do it. Okay, so indie band or indie game? Opus. Opus. I when I heard that, I first thought Primus. Um, Opus. I'm going to go with indie game. You are correct. Yes. Opus is an indie <laughs> game. Uh, now, uh, at any point, somebody can put this name and then type in band, and I'm sure you'll find a tiny band, but we're going off of at least semi-bands that have a record deal that I've been able to Google pretty readily. All right, next one. Iron Cast. Iron Cast. Mm-hmm. That's a band. And that is incorrect. Ah. That is an, that is an indie game. Come on. <laughs> that, that, no, that's a band. <laughs> I don't believe okay. you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Penguin Prison. That's a band. That is a band. Okay. <laughs> like, um, hmm. <laughs> okay, I got some really good ones here. All right, postscriptum. Postscriptum. Mm-hmm. That that's tough because it could be like uh, it could be a indie game that's like some sort of uh, drafting thing about like typing or something, or mm-hmm. or it could be a band. Sounds like a like a goth metal band or something like that. It's, stop leading me. Um, <laughs> I, I'm gonna go with band. Yeah. Incorrect. Yeah. Po- Postscriptum is actually a very accurate uh, World War II game, trying to focus on the accuracy of the war. That that's an awful name. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Geo Wolf. Geo Wolf. Band. I, I think. I think if the word wolf is in the name, it's a band. That is correct. It is a band. But now you're making me rethink. I should throw in more wolf in here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you said Geo Wolf from the first time. I think I thought it was uh, Wolf Mother. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. This town needs guns. That's a band. That's gotta be a band. <laughs> and that is a band. Yeah. That, that's 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 like a, a postmodern hardcore band or something like that. You're doing pretty good. You're doing pretty good. You see, we did uh, six, and you've only gotten two wrong. Oh, I mean, 
you, you see enough sh shitty small town shows and you, you get a good sense of what kind of ridiculous names that bands come up with. <laughs> it's like, it, it, surprisingly enough, it, uh, indie dames are a little more realistic and toned down than <laughs> band names. Yeah. Okay, we're going to do four more. Okay. Flame in the Flood. Game. That is correct. Yeah, I, I've heard of that one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Moon Tax. Moon Tax. It's, it's too direct of a name for a game. I'm going with band. That is also correct. <laughs> All right. Good job. All right, two more. Nuclear Spring. Game. That is incorrect. Ah. <laughs> that is a band. Punk rock it, band, actually. Yeah. That was that, that was that was a top for one. That that felt like it to be either. Okay. The gardens between. The gardens between. I kinda dug deep for these. I don't know. The gardens between. Does that sound like a video game or a band name? Band. I'm going with our audience participation. I'm gonna say band name. Phone to friend, huh? Uh, yeah. That is a game. Oh. Crap. <laughs> Sorry. You, you would make me lose a million dollars on who wants to be a millionaire. No, you'd lose yourself. So That's besides the point. <laughs> okay, last one. All right. Lisa. 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 Game. That is a game. Yes. I'm, I'm guessing go. that I'm guessing that's an acronym. No, it isn't. It oh, isn't. okay. It's actually uh, I believe it was uh, created using RPG Maker. I'll have to ask my friend Dave. It's, he's a really big fan of that series. Oh, all right. Fair it's enough. actually yeah, it's an old school RPG. I uh, really it's known for being tough. All right, all right. Well, so uh, uh, so do I? Is it my turn next time to uh, choose something and quiz you on? <laughs> yeah, but I did want to. I just want to give you a couple other ones that were just for funsies. Yeah. Indie game. Stick bold. Stick bold. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, membrane. It's a pretty good one uh, for a uh, game. Uh, perception. Th these are all games that you're running through? Yeah, these ones. Okay, okay. All right, Morph yeah. Morphite? Yeah, I, I think I would just game on that one. And yeah. Pine. Yeah, I mean, y you chose the less obvious ones. Th these ones feel a little too uh opaque compared to what I mean, a lot of band names are kind of literal sounding you know so that that's the that that's sort of the tell if there is one sometimes with them well these other two here these other two bands i had were coin <laughs> okay so so you see that it could have okay. easily been okay and uh bear's den bear's den these, yeah these fucking bands um, <laughs> okay so that was indie or outie the last bonus segment we have today is just to discuss the state of Super GG Radio. Currently, we, we always discuss at the end of the episode, which you'll hear in a shortly, uh, our Twitter handle, our email, and where we like to stream uh, on, on Twitch. As of late, we've had some friends of Super GG Radio work on some side projects for us, specifically superggradio.wordpress.com and slash r super gg radio a subreddit thank you to phil and alec respectively these are secondary places for you to find our videos musings editorials opinions not regulated by character limit and game reviews plus places for comments and discussions that we'll join in on and our episodes will be posted both places weekly as well as some more places for you guys to find us to engage and talk about 
Uh, we're still looking, uh, we still have a Twitch, still have the stream, still have Twitter. And for future projects, we're looking to have some more friends of our friends of ours stream some future projects like long-term game series, new demos, betas, and possibly even some family fun, including our spouses in the future. Still working on ironing out the details. Does that sound all, that sounds right, Rachel? Yeah, and look forward to reaching us to it. Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Let's see Woof. what. Woof. Woof.com, uh, <laughs> uh, Pornhub, and GeoCities. GeoCities. Definitely GeoCities. <laughs> and that will be it for this week's Super GG Radio. Before we go, you can find us on Twitter at Super GG Radio and twitch.tv slash Super GG Radio, where, Joel, are you going to be streaming this upcoming week? If I do, it's probably just to be maybe a little Smash Brothers or Rocket League. I don't okay. have plans. I'm still working uh, on getting back into Monster Hunter. I've played a little bit here and there. Uh, I, I still that game still feels so good. I'm waiting for that DLC to drop, and I will be I will, I will be headfirst in, enjoying myself. But uh, as of right now, I might throw on a couple hunts and see if uh, anybody wants to watch. If you'd like to reach us with questions or input, our email address is superggradio at gmail.com and provide a review on iTunes or the podcast app of your choice. Thanks for listening. Good game, Joel. Good game, Alex. recording this so so that's to me in the stainer right yeah <laughs> yes You're missing your opportunity. but this is gonna be the outtakes